Turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 4. We are uh, coming to really the last chapter of the, the rule and kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, uh, we've talked about this over and over. We'll talk about it again next week. Uh, this idea that he was a great man, uh, a great leader. Uh, at least in the eyes of the world, he conquered many uh, cities and nations. He gathered together great riches. And at this point in his life, in chapter 4, he had built great things. We'll talk a little bit uh, more specifically about that next week. But this morning, we see the second dream that he has. And uh, this is uh, an amazing thing that God would speak to uh, a pagan or heathen king. That he would speak to him and that he would... He would uh, message him in this ways, and it's a dream that we will look at this morning. Uh, as I uh, shared with you last week, and we, we went super long last week, and um, this is just another Sunday, like last week, you know. Um, <laughs> thanks for the warning, the kids are crying, you know, uh, the Sunday school teachers are crying. Um, but uh, n- n- what we're going to do this morning as we read through this, I, uh, someone once told me, one of my seminary professors said that really preaching, all that preaching is, is careful reading. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to do careful reading. Uh, we're going to read, and then I'm going to make a few comments, and we're going to read some more. And we're just going to go through this passage. We're only going to go through uh, a little more than half of the chapter. But we're going to see the dream of Nebuchadnezzar and the interpretation brought about by Daniel. Let me pray for us, and then we will uh, continue. God, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for the time to gather with your people. I thank you for the singing, the time that we could encourage one another and be inspired and reminded the truths that uh, we hold dear, and uh, we got something to sing about. God, uh, do your work in your people. Uh, God, I know uh, that there are many here that are discouraged Many here that are chasing and empty, and uh, many here that are, are fearful, uh, both about today and the future. Many here today are, are struggling with different things and family issues and concerns for their kids. And God, I pray that you would do your work in us now as we look to your word, that you would encourage our hearts and fit us for the battle this week. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This particular chapter, I don't don't know if you'd consider it the whole chapter, but we talked about inspiration a couple weeks ago, inspiration of God's Word, that God inspired this book that we would have it this morning. This is very peculiar what we're going to look at because this is written, chapter 4 is written from Nebuchadnezzar's perspective. We don't know, uh, we talked about it, uh, you know, I'll I'll bring my, my thoughts at at the end of next week, but we don't know if Nebuchadnezzar is a believer in the God of the Bible or not. Uh, We see him as a conquering king, uh, doing a lot of dumb things. uh, Last week, we saw him build a golden image nine stories tall and nine feet wide and having really the known world bow to it. And so uh, as we think about this, we realize he's a contradiction in terms at best. 
But as we come to this passage, we realize that this is from Nebuchadnezzar's perspective. And some have suggested that this is like a journal, if you will, of, of Nebuchadnezzar saying what happened in his dream. And as uh, Daniel was bringing about uh, the writing of the book of Daniel, God inspired this to be included for us. It might have been edited by Daniel, but uh, the message from Nebuchadnezzar. So it's very peculiar in that. And so we're in Nebuchadnezzar, or Nebuchadnezzar, we're in Daniel chapter 4. <clears throat> God's word says this. Um, and we're, we're, the first section, verses 1 through 3, I just would title, um, Nebuchadnezzar praises God. And that's a funny thing. Uh, I, I really believe as, as I look at this, this is a lot like the book of Psalms. Many times you have the conclusion at the beginning because the story's so crazy that you're, as you read it, you're going, oh no, oh no. But they put up front, this is the conclusion. This is where Nebuchadnezzar ended. This was the theme of this story. And so we see, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me, good to Nebuchadnezzar, that's who's the, the voice is here. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders, wonders that the Most High God has done for me. Nebuchadnezzar is acknowledging, first of all, he's acknowledging that everybody should listen. Everybody should listen and that I thought it would be good for you to know what God has done for me. The Nebuchadnezzar after, and, and we see this, uh, let me give you a time frame. We don't have a time stamp. We've talked about these before. That this is probably <clears throat> 30 to 40 years into the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. You, you remember early in his uh, really just as he was coming to power is when these uh, ones came into captivity. But this is years later. Uh, much has gone on. Uh, we're going to talk about his building projects that he has completed at this, at this phase of his kingdom. And so he's accomplished much. He's an older king. And he's sitting around thinking of all that God has done for him. I, I think that's important to remember. Uh, so as we come about this, we see that he wants everyone to know um, all these people who have dwelled on the earth, uh, that he wants them to know what God has done for him. He also uh, refers to God as the most high God, most high God. Uh, he's already said in the book of Daniel at different instances, we have these interactions and he has other gods. He has his Babylonian gods. He probably thinks of himself as a god. Uh, he is uh, not one that uh, is exclusively committed, at least throughout the book, to the Most High God. But he acknowledges Daniel's God as the Most High God. I think that's a good way to look at our God. There are other gods. Uh, some are made up. Some are just idols that people place before themselves. Some are uh, pursuits that are in the place of God. But to know this, the God of the Bible, 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who sent his son, the father who sent his son, Jesus, is the most high God, the most high God. And for us to acknowledge that, uh, that we would not uh, fill our lives with the worship of lesser things, but that we would acknowledge the most high God. This is what it says in uh, verse 3. It says, How great are His signs! How mighty His wonders! His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and His dominion endures from generation to generation. Zach, write a song about that. Doesn't that sound like the words of a, a great worship song? This is what Nebuchadnezzar said. That's so amazing to me. When I, when I think of the, the Psalms, it, it looks like a clip right from the Psalms. And, and that this would be something that we would praise God for. And it, it's important. Why? Why? Because it's true. And this is Nebuchadnezzar's conclusion. As God has uh, revealed to him these dreams and he's worked in his life in these ways. I want to point out just a couple of brief things in uh, verse 3. It says that his kingdom, this most high God's kingdom, the God who had worked in Nebuchadnezzar, the God who had done great things for him, it says that his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Who said this? Nebuchadnezzar. What Nebuchadnezzar? King Nebuchadnezzar. King And he looks at the Most High God and he sees who he is and he says this of him, that his kingdom, not Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, but the kingdom of the Most High God, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Uh, When you're young, what do you think about? Whatever's right in front of you, right? It's hard to think about getting old. When you're old, what do you think about? Being old, right? You know, whatever part of your body's hurting the most, right? You know, and sometimes you're, you sit there for a while and you're going, well, this hurts pretty bad, but I think this is a little bit worse on this side, you know, and there's a ranking list going on. <clears throat> you know what I think Nebuchadnezzar was doing? He's at the end of his kingdom. He knew it. He knew it. I, I think that it's important that you know when you see an older ruler, they're thinking about it. They're thinking about it. And you say, what are they thinking about? They're thinking about the end of their life, the end of their kingdom. They're realizing that the run is over. The time has come. And Nebuchadnezzar, uh, a much older, maybe wiser Nebuchadnezzar, said this, an everlasting kingdom. And I can't help but think that Nebuchadnezzar was thinking, unlike mine, unlike mine. He knew that he had a son. He knew that someone was going to come after him. He knew well enough that, that he overtook kingdoms before. And he wondered maybe, would my kingdom be taken over? But he knew this, the Most High God, his kingdom was an everlasting kingdom. And he said this, from generation to generation, and he knew, he knew this, that from generation to generation, this kingdom would prevail, the kingdom of the Most High God, 
that it wasn't. And, and as, as you think about this, and I would say this too, for those of you who are older here, what do you think about? Well, you think, some, some of you say, well, I think about my kids. No, you don't. You think about your grandkids. You skip the generation, right? You, know, you say, ah, I'm tired of the kids, but the grandkids, right? And we think of generations, right? We think about this idea that it would continue to go on that it would continue to go on. And this beautiful picture that Nebuchadnezzar had somehow got his head around, at least just for a moment, that the Most High God was part of an everlasting, His kingdom would go on forever, and it would be a kingdom right for generation after generation. Uh, It would go on uh, when he thought of his kids, his grandkids, and the ones who would come after this is Nebuchadnezzar's, uh, he praises God, but it's kind of his conclusion of what has gone on. So now we see Nebuchadnezzar's dream, dream uh, verses 4 through 18. And I'm just going to uh, kind of walk through that, that careful reading that we talked about a moment ago. <clears throat> in chapter 4, it says this, I, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. Verse 5, I saw a dream that made me afraid as I lay uh, my bed that fancies and uh, the fancies and the visions in my head alarmed me. I just want to bring up two things there. First of all, it was ease and prosperity, ease and prosperity that that because of what Nebuchadnezzar had done, his leadership uh, they'd come to a place of ease and prosperity. He <clears throat> was louder in his life, and he had <clears throat> truly prospered as a nation. And so he was sitting back and enjoying uh, that which he'd accomplished. He had money, he had accomplishments, he had relative peace, and he was enjoying that. But it says in that, in that time, he, he characterizes that time, and then he says, uh, I had this dream, I had this vision, these things that bounced around in my head. And what did that do for me? What did that do to me? It caused me to be afraid and alarmed. Uh, it's interesting uh, when, when you think about that, that we, we most of the time think of people that are high and mighty, kings, uh, who have soldiers and money and wealth and smarts. And, and we look at these people in position, we think nothing would ever scare them. And yet this is uh, another time. It's not just the only time, but Nebuchadnezzar says, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm alarmed. What are you alarmed at? Is there a, you know, an army right outside coming right? No, I just had a bad dream. I find that interesting that that Nebuchadnezzar was a man of many fears, many fears. And so as he uh, had this dream, uh, I'd say this, a dream from God. We find him uh, going back to some old methods here in verse six. He said, uh, verse six. So so I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me. 
that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in. And I told them the dream. He's a little bit more reasonable in his latter years, right? Um, Tell me the dream and the interpretation before. But anyways, I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. At last, Daniel came before me. He who was named Belshazzar, um, after the name of my God. I find that interesting that I, I skipped over that, I think, before, that his n- new name, his Babylonian name, was named after Nebuchadnezzar's God, but now he's coming because Daniel has a better God than the one he was named after. Okay, anyways, um, verse 8, uh, and at the last Daniel came before me, he, he was named Belshazzar after the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. Uh, and I told him the dream, saying, O Belshazzar, uh, king of the uh, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and that no mystery is too difficult for you. Tell me the visions of uh, of my dreams that I may that that I saw and their interpretation. Verse ten: The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. Okay, now we're going to move on uh, to see specifically. So it was Daniel and the smart guys, and now we're moving on to seeing what it is specifically uh, that this dream was all about. Verse 10 again, the visions of, uh, of my head as I lay in bed were these, I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and its height was great. Okay. This is a vision of a tree. Okay. That's the center really of his dream. Verse 11, uh, the tree grew and became strong and its top reached to the heaven, to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant. And, uh, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. And the birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I'll stop there. As we look at this, we see some things uh, about this, uh, this tree, okay? It was a tree, and, and it kind of includes, it's a great tree. It talks about it growing up to the heavens, uh, it was a magnificent tree, but not just a beauty to look at, but all benefited from it. It, it talks about the, the fruit and the shade and uh, the places that both the beasts and, and all the flesh were around this tree all benefited from this tree. It was beautiful and everybody loved it. Verse 12 uh, really highlights that and ends with that and says they found shade under it. Uh, the beasts found shade, the birds, the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. So, so you get this picture of beasts, birds, everybody. Beasts, birds, everybody. Everyone benefited from this tree. <clears throat> he moves on, verse 13. Something really specific is going to happen uh, to this tree. Verse 13, I saw in the vision of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher a holy one 
came down from heaven. Okay, there's one that comes down from heaven. It's called the watcher. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, chop down the tree, lop off its branches, strip it uh, off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast uh, flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump. But leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze, amid the, the, the tender grass of the field. Uh, let him be wet from the dew of heaven. Let his portions be uh, with the beasts of the grass and the earth. Let me stop there. So, so you have this magnificent tree, and the watcher says, Come chop the tree down, get rid of its leaves, get rid of its fruit, uh, cause it to come down to just a stump and its roots. This is where uh, this magnificent tree is coming. Everything but the stump. And it says uh, in verse 16, speaks specifically, well, it says the beast being out in the field, let the wet of the dew, we're going to come back to that. Um, let his portion be with the beasts of the grass of the earth, the idea of eating like the, the beasts. Verse 16, let his mind be changed from a man's and let a beast's mind be given to him and let seven periods of time pass over him. This great tree goes from the idea of a man's mind to a beast's mind for seven periods. We're going to find later that that's seven years. We're going to see later. Verse 17, um, we, we uh, continue on reading the, the dream coming about. Um, verse 17, where am I? Holy Scripture, here we go. Uh, verse 17. Uh, the sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end of that, the, uh, that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and it gives it to whom he will and sets it above the lowly, uh, over it the lowliest of men. Verse 18, this dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw, and you, O Belshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the Spirit of the holy gods is with you. If you can just back up and see that verse 17, it says the, the purpose of this dream, uh, the decision that has come about of this bringing uh, chopping down of this magnificent tree to a stump is that they may know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. This picture here is this, that the, the purpose of this dream or the purpose of this action in the dream is that all would know that the most high is the most high, right? Uh, is that he is overall and that if someone gets... If someone has, it's a gift from God. And I really think, just to take a moment to stop and to think about this and put it in perspective, I, I want you to think about where do the riches and the blessings of, of this life, where do they come from? 
Where do they come from? I'm not talking about just the blessings that you have, but we got to get back to that, right? I'm talking about the blessings that anybody has. How did they get them? Where did it come from? Why do some have and some not have? And why do some have some great things and they're not, they don't see them as a blessing and others don't have those things and they, they feel blessed? Why is that? I think it has everything to do with what's going on in this dream. And so we see that the purpose of this dream, Nebuchadnezzar knew uh, that he knew that the most high rules the kingdom is kingdom of men, and he gives to whom he wills. This is the plan of God. So now we come to verse 19. Daniel interprets this second dream of Nebuchadnezzar. In verse 19, uh, it's interesting. He, uh, Daniel's fearful of sharing this with uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And, and there's reasons why, right? Because he knows that this isn't necessarily good news for him. It says that uh, then Daniel, whose name was ne- uh, Belshazzar, uh, was dismayed for a while and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belshazzar, uh, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Belshazzar said, my, my Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you uh, and its interpretation for your enemies, knowing that your enemies are going to love this. They're going to love it. He says, verse 20, uh, and now he gets to the, the tree, verse 20. He said, the tree you saw, which grew and became strong, uh, so, that is, uh, so that its top reached to heaven and was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and, uh, and in which uh, was food for all, under which beasts of the field found shade, in whose branches the birds of the heaven live, verse 22, it is you. It is you. You're the tree. If you remember back uh, in the first dream that he got, right, there was an image. What was he in the image of that? He was the golden head. He was the golden head. And it was a similar thing. He says, you're the one. You're the great one. And this was a picture of him too. As he spoke of this tree, it was beautiful. It had all these great things. Everybody loved the tree. That's you, Nebuchadnezzar. You remember uh, last chapter, uh, we made a connection. It may not be right, but that why did he put that golden image of up? Because he goes, yeah, I am pretty big deal. You know, I, I am the golden head, right, uh, from God. And so if I'm the golden head, why not a golden image? And so we see Nebuchadnezzar being a great man, being a great man, uh, being the golden head, making a golden image, now being this magnificent tree. It's bad news, and you're the man. Um, you are great, Verse 22, verse 22, we see this. He says, it is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to to heaven and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, uh, 
a holy one come down from heaven. We don't have a really great picture of this. And it was part of his dream, okay? So most likely some type of angel. Uh, and, and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump and its roots bound with a band of iron and bronze in tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with dew, the dew of heaven and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven periods of time pass over him. So, so what, he, what he says is this. He says, watcher came. says this magnificent tree, which you are which you are, is says, chop it down, chop it down. Yeah, this tree, your life, really your kingdom will be chopped down, not all the way to the stump with roots. And then he says uh, about this kingdom, bron- bronze and iron. Uh, if you remember back, uh, those were two of the elements of the kingdoms in chapter two, chapter two, as we look at uh, that image that he saw in his first dream that the other kingdoms were made of bronze, a lesser metal, and iron, a lesser metal, but strong, okay? And so I think this is a picture of the, the kingdom that is to come for him. Uh, it will continue. It just won't be as magnificent as it once was. Anyways, um, we see uh, Daniel interpreting his dream. He says he, he acknowledged that, that he is the one. He is the one that this passage or this, uh, he is the one that the tree uh, is a picture of. Pictures what his life is going to be like from this moment. He says, driven out from men with the beasts. Uh, and he pictures the, the beasts, what they have is the grass and the dew, meaning left out in the elements. And then he says seven periods, this idea of seven periods, like I said before, uh, seven years. In verse 26, it says this, and as it was commanded to, to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you uh, know that heaven rules. Now, that's a great line, that last one, heaven rules, Right? And this is really the theme of his great second um, dream, right? Heaven rules. Heaven rules. Nebuchadnezzar doesn't rule. Nebuchadnezzar is not the most high king, right? God is the most high king. He is the one to be listened to. And until he learns this lesson that heaven rules, um, this is what's going to be true of him. We see in verse 27, the, really the conclusion of this dream for him. Or Daniel's, it's really Daniel's uh, marching orders for him because of this dream, okay? That God, that God has something for you to do. And this is what uh, really needs to happen. Verse 27, therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. 
we see the conclusion of this dream and this interp- the conclusion of the interpretation being this. Pride. Pride. So, so what, it, what was true of Nebuchadnezzar at the beginning of uh, before this dream came about? What was his conclusion in verse chapter 4 at the beginning here? He said this. He says, I was in prosperity. I was in good times. I had it all. I had it all. And his connection was him having it all was not to God, but to him. This is what happens with blessings sometimes. And, and I want to I say this. I, I want to warn you. I want to warn you. It's what it is to be an American. It, it, specifically, an older American. How come you're living a great life right now? How come? I earned it. I was smart with my money. Worked hard. Not like those other fools. And then you start talking about people that you've seen fail over the years who aren't at your situation. How come uh, you, you get to live in the great city of Tehachapi? Well, because I worked hard. I deserve it. You know, I deserve it. I did it. You know, and I, I came from nothing and now I'm something because I worked hard. Nebuchadnezzar, as he looked at his kingdom, what did he see? I did it all. Like I said, we'll be specific next week on what he did. But he didn't see it as a blessing from God. I think he did it in this chapter, but as he was building it, as for most of us, we struggle to say, I did it. I did it. This was of my own doing. And I want to tell you, we even cause our kids and our grandkids, those who are younger, we say, you need to go do it. It's, not, it's about working hard and getting what you want to do. What do you want to do with the rest of your life? Well, how much money does it make? You know, can you have guns where you want to live? You know, that, that you, you, you need to build for yourself a life that you're going to love. Nebuchadnezzar had built for himself a kingdom that he would love. And and others loved it too. They thought he was great. But the end of the dream, really the end of the interpretation was is break from your sins. Break off from your sins. That what has driven you to, to get to this place has been a sinful path of pride. And I want to tell you that uh, that's, probably the danger for every leader, really for every person, that pride is this subtle thing that you say, well, you know, I did great things for myself. You know, what's wrong with that? I want to point this out, that pride was his issue. And in the the pride caused him to build, the pride uh, caused him. And there's some implications here. Who built the things that he built? How did he conquer those cities? How? He had an army, right? He had slaves. He had slaves. You think about the cost of building, the cost of building. I even think of our building right here. Um, and I think about, well, how, how would I build this building again? Like if I were to do this, he said, the first thing I would tell you is I wouldn't do it by myself right? 
Most of us like to do it by ourselves, right? We like to work alone. But, but Nebuchadnezzar knew that he, so he had all these slaves and these people. And, and, and the, the treatment of those people and the thoughts of those people and the uh, outcome. So uh, Nebuchadnezzar is known for building all these things. He didn't build anything, right? He didn't do anything. He had workers. People built it. He didn't conquer anything, Right? One person rolls into a city and he says, I'm going to conquer this city. They throw him out, right? And so uh, there's this, this sin for Nebuchadnezzar is the sin of uh, taking all the credit and, and causing others to be minimized in their, their part of the process. And undoubtedly, there were even those who gave their lives in conquest for Nebuchadnezzar and for building his extravagance uh, things that he had built that we're going to talk about next week, specific things. The answer here is this. What do you do when you find yourself in that place? What was Nebuchadnezzar supposed to do? Break off from your pride. It, 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 it gives this picture of a violent breakup, right? A, a, a violent severing. And, and I think sometimes we like to think... Uh, Oh, it's not that bad. The sins that oh, definitely my pride's not that big of a deal. Like it's it, it's a you know it's not that bad. It's not like some of the it's not like murder or anything like that. Um, and yet Daniel's uh, marching orders to Nebuchadnezzar break off, just sever it. It's done. Uh, this is what uh, needs to happen. And if that happens, there will be a, a lengthening, uh, verse 27, a lengthening of your prosperity. And in that, show mercy to the oppressed. Um, it, most likely, the mercy that he was to show to the oppressed were the ones that he was oppressing to do all the things that he wanted to do, right? Uh, you can really tell. Um, I, I know some of you are working stiffs here today. Uh, the little people uh, you in service industry and uh, you can tell what kind of boss or what kind of owner you're working for, right? Uh, do they care about you? Do they speak to you? How do they speak to you? What do they say? Uh, or are they just about you working for them and getting the lowest price and then you being on your way so they can enjoy their life? He says the, 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 the idea here was showing mercy to those who are oppressed, the idea of treating uh, and saying, I care about people. It's hard to care about people when you're the king and you're rich, right? Um, this is what was true of Nebuchadnezzar. I want to give you three things. Next week, we're going to continue. We're going to review this again, and then we're going to continue to talk about really the aftermath of this dream. Uh, and it's amazing. Amazing. Seven years. Uh, you think of your life, seven years. We're going to talk about those seven years uh, that Nebuchadnezzar found himself living out this dream that he had. Three things to remember as we conclude our time. Uh, there's only one king eternal. There's only one king eternal. And uh, we can be amazed at what people are doing in this world and the power that they have and the billions of billions of dollars and smarts and everything. But know this, there's only one king eternal. One. Um, and so we are worshipers of him. The second thing um, Goodness comes from God who deserves the credit. The good things in your life, the blessings that you have, sure you worked for them. 
Sure, you put in your time. Sure, some of them. But know this, know this. If there's anything good in your life, really anything good in anyone's life, whether they acknowledge it or not, it's a blessing of God. It's a blessing of God, and it's good for us to know that. And if we give credit to anybody else, it's wrong. We're stealing the credit that only God deserves. Blessings and goodness come from God. Lastly, to remember that breaking is the answer for pride uh, and the need, needed re- repercussions for sin. Breaking. When you find sin in your life, think about ways. How can I sever the ties between my life and sin? How can I, I, I quit this? And, and pride is just as big of a sin as other. And there's this picture of like, I need to break from this. How do I get away f- from it? It's not something that even if you're king, you say, oh, just king's part of the you know, deal of pride. You know, that's part of the deal. No, it's not. It's not. We are called to break from it. That's uh, Daniel's encouragement, leadership to Nebuchadnezzar who needed this so desperately. Let me pray for us and then we'll share in a time of communion. God, thank you for this morning. Um, thank you for this amazing dream picture and a tree and uh, to see a picture of Nebuchadnezzar's life and the greatness that he reveled in and then he was brought down. Uh, God, help us to acknowledge you as the one who gives, about, gives us blessings and to be able to walk in humility, not in pride in this life. God, do your work in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.